Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We're just uh, cleaning up the mess after Guy Talk. We always have to get the chip bags out of here and mop up a little bit. But big thanks to Dr. Peter Kafter and Ryan Quatula for coming in. Guy Talk was a blast. It always is. I always look forward to it. And if you ever have any topics you'd like us to chew on as guys, we'll do our best. Let us know. You can always email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. It doesn't have to be during any particular show. You can just email me with a question or send me a text. I'm always happy to just kind of put them in a file and get them ready for the next time we we do that. So this is going to be a great hour. Uh, Beverly Canaris is in studio, and she has a, is a Bible study fellowship uh, teacher for over 30 years. And she's retired from that, but uh, loves to teach and mentor. And we're going to talk about the IMs of Jesus today. So I have a feeling you're going to want to grab a fresh piece of paper or two and a pen, and get ready to take some notes, because this is going to be great. We're going to take 60 seconds and begin. It's almost like a game. There are one or two items on that back-to-school list that don't actually exist anywhere except the teacher's mind. But you'll visit 18 stores in pursuit. If only we chased after the most important things like we do those. Welcome to Faith Radio. Here, that's our goal, to chase after the things of God, to encourage you and equip you in your faith. Because in order to learn and grow, you have to have the right tools. Fortunately, in this case, they do exist. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Faith Radio is there to help you hold on to hope. It's like the brightest sunrise Waiting on the other side of the darkest night Don't ever lose hope Hold on and believe Maybe you just haven't seen it Just haven't seen it yet You're closer than you think you are Pressing on with you Faith Radio Maybe you just haven't seen it Just haven't seen it yet Beverly Canaris and I just prayed that this would be a great hour. The Holy Spirit would lead and guide. And I let you listen to Joshua Bell for a little bit longer, playing his incredible violin. And um, Beverly is a teacher and mentor and author and just a regular guest on the show. Bev, welcome back. Thank you. So fun to be here, Bill. And I'm really excited about our topic today. Yeah. And why is that? Well, I feel like I can just brag on Jesus for an hour. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let me uh, Yeah, grab it's going to be worshipful, Bill. Good. As I we, love that. As we go over these, it's more than just information and learning. I, I just hope it, these truths and these I am's just kind of wash over the listeners mm-hmm. as it washes over us, and these truths really go deep into our heart. Um, I find it can be so ministering in so many ways to have that kind of knowledge at the front of our minds about who he is, because it meets us in so many of the needs we have of every day. So um, A.W. Tozer said this, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. 
So right thinking about God really matters a great deal. Can we just pause for a second? Yes. I want to just chew on that for 30 seconds. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a pretty strong statement. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. But it's true. Would you know, God is the Lord Jesus Christ is number one in my life. Um, potentially, if we don't have him in our life, that that should be the, the bulk of what our thinking is about. So, and it affects every area of our life, what we think about God. Um, knowing God, getting to know God is the greatest opportunity in life. And I hope that God uses this program today to take that others would take this opportunity to get to know who God is, who Jesus Christ is. And Bev, we talked about that a little bit in the last hour, things we know to be true, but sometimes have a hard time living out like God loves me. God is trustworthy. God is always good. And God knows what we need before we ask. Mm -hmm. Sometimes hard to live that out. It it is. Mm -hmm. This is why we need to constantly have an input of truth because we have to combat the, the questions and the doubts and the, negative thoughts that even the enemy can put in our head. We have to combat them with truth. And uh, that's what the I am's can do for us as well. Scripture, fight that back with scripture. But so often you're right. We don't fully embrace or fully believe some of these wonderful truths about God and our relationship with him. Mm-hmm. You know, many people too are confused about what they believe about God or what their thoughts are are for God. Maybe they haven't even put them together yet or thought about it much. I think culture always is trying to tell us a view on God. Um, All religions claim to tell us all about God and claim to be true, but that's just um, not rational thinking when we say that all religions are the same and they're all true. They're just different ways to God. And that's, there are truths in each of those religions that are the opposite, which oppose the truths that they teach. So to say that is really not true. And I, I, I still hear it, but I can't believe that people haven't uh, thought that a little more carefully. Um, a lot of the confusion then about who God is and who Jesus Christ is, what happens is we start to kind of put together an opinion with like a smorgasbord approach about their thinking about God. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, mixed in with then how I feel and what I like. Um, and what makes me feel good. And mm-hmm. they kind of, you know, make a God in their own image. Amen. And that is uh, all too common as well. So this is why, again, these I am's are so important. There are many opinions about Christianity, about who it's based on, namely Jesus Christ. Um, decisions about who he is are often based, again, on feelings or hearsay from others. But it's really an obligation for each of us to do some research on our own and to try to find out who Jesus is. And so today, that's really my goal, is to expose listeners to what Jesus has said about himself in the Bible. Um, I'm going to turn to the book of John, where Jesus tells us so much about who he is. The statements that he gives in the book of John are referred to as the I am statements. So each one of these Um, words that tell us about who Christ is, he reveals who he is, is preceded by the statement, I am. Um, So instead of listening to others, what others have said about Jesus, or even your personal feelings about who you think he is, let's go to the source himself, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take his words out of his mouth, 
I am. He is speaking, and he's speaking with authority about who he is. Uh, my father-in-law, Father Anthony Canaris, wrote a book back in 1969, and it's an oldie but a goodie, and I constantly refer to it. Almost every line now and there has been underlined and starred. Uh, I love concentrating on the great, he referred to it as the great I am's of Jesus Christ. And so some of what I'm sharing today will be taken from that book, um, uh, the Good insights there were were very helpful. Jesus made these statements with really a specific purpose in mind, and we read that purpose in the very first chapter of John, John 1.18. No one has ever seen God but the only and one Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So what's Jesus saying there? He is God and a member of the Holy Trinity with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he is on a mission. Why he came into this world is to reveal God to us. You want to know God? There's only one way. And to Mm. know God, the means that God has given us to know him is by looking at the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why these I am statements, again, are so crucial to our right thinking about who God is. You know, Bev, before we uh, move on, there's something I, I, I probably will talk about this tomorrow, and I'd love to talk about it today a little bit, just sure. because this struck me, and I was sharing this with Rebecca, and it struck her too, is I was watching a, a, a program called The Book of Mysteries, and this um, presenter, Jonathan Kahn, was talking about the, the identification of God of, as I am. And yet we, we always, in our everyday conversation, whether we know it or not, we're always presenting him before ourselves because we usually say, I am Bill Arnold. We always present God before we present ourselves. We're always introducing ourselves to other people, but whether we know it or not, we're inserting him before we say our name. Mm. That's a profound thought. Isn't that a profound thought? That's a very profound yeah. thought. I because, am yes, Bill Arnold. I am is like saying Jehovah. Right. And every time mm-hmm. we introduce ourselves, we do that by putting, inserting him before us. So doesn't that take us back to the thought of God is my creator and I belong to him? Mm-hmm. It yes. really does. It really does. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that specific word because he said that that is one of the I am's and he stops there. I am. Right. A lot of these others, he adds uh, uh, some kind of a descriptive word. Um, that's that's a great thought. Let me just uh, hit pause for a minute. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll dig into the IMs. Make sure you get your notebook and pen out. Beverly Canaris is in studio. We'll take a very short break and be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the program in studio with Beverly Canaris. She is a former BSF teaching leader, did it for 30 years. She still loves to teach and mentor. And we're talking about the IMs of Jesus today. And Bev, I can't wait. Well, let's get started then. You know, a lot of our words really, don't they reveal who you are? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been trying to listen to a person just to find out more about them when they speak? So Jesus is using his words here to tell us who he is. And this is 
one person we really need to get to know and to listen to everything that he says. So we're going to start in John chapter 4. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. When Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman, um, he is uh, tired and thirsty. He sent the disciples off to get some food for his group. And this woman comes out with this jug to gather water, middle of the heat of the day, which was strange, instead of coming when the rest of the women would come in the early morning and late evening. So there she is, midday. And Jesus, a rabbi, starts to speak to this Samaritan woman. And this Samaritan woman, we come to find out, had been married five times before, was living with a guy at this current time. But listen to the conversation. There's just a couple of sentences out of that conversation that he has with her in John chapter 4. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. So after Jesus discerned her personal life, she realizes this might be someone very special I'm talking to. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So what he's telling her, this woman, Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah that was promised way back in Genesis 3. And what is so beautiful is um, that this Samaritan woman, this sinner, this person, outcast of society, this one who's been rejected by so many men, this is the one Jesus chose to first reveal himself as Messiah to speak to them. So this is... Uh, to me, this is such an amazing thing. And then after she she realizes who he is, she goes back to the, her village and brings out lots of people, and they hear and they believe as well. So not only is she first to hear that Jesus is Messiah, it's the first time in the scripture here. Also, it's it's the she becomes the first evangelist. Isn't that something? It's, so It's wonderful. I am. Mm-hmm. I am he. I am the Messiah. That is such a powerful moment. Every time I read that, I just... I I just find it so powerful. Isn't it? Um, But this is who Jesus came to save. He mm -hmm. didn't come to save the self-righteous. He came to save women just like this woman. He came to save sinners just like me. Um, Eight times in John's gospel, Jesus uses this title as an expression of claim to be God, where he said, I am, which is like saying Jehovah. Um, John 6, 35 He says he's the bread of life. After feeding the 5,000, the crowds follow Jesus. So the next day, they're they're hunting him down, coming to him. And they said, can you give us a sign like the Israelites had in the desert where they got manna um, in their desert wanderings? In other words, they were seeking him again. For what? For some more free food. They had been fed by him the day before. So listen to what Jesus says as he's addressing them in John 6. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So Jesus is saying here again, I am, pointing to his divine identity. He is saying, I, the Lord God, am here to provide for you and everything you need for your spiritual life. We all have this hunger and this thirsting after more than what this life ever can offer us. He's saying, come to him and he will provide what we're longing for, what we're hungering for, why we are thirsty when there's so much in this life that we think might quench our thirst, but nothing does like he does. He wants to be the one to provide for our daily needs. So 
uh, this idea of feeding on him is really a picture of having a relationship with him. He's going to supply for us what we need. Uh, with him, we draw uh, all out the promises that he has done. We feed on his word. We feed on his promises to help us when we feel weak. So this is a beautiful picture, the bread of life. Ask ourselves, where do you feel in need of strengthening or nourishment today in your life? You have to come to the source who said he's the bread of of life. He's also that one that can quench our thirst. Are you tired of the busy rat race? You know that that never-ending, uh, tasteless uh, life, that a pace of life that doesn't um, satisfy. Jesus says, I'm the one who's going to satisfy you. Only I am. I am going to be the one to take away your thirst. When we feel weak, when we need strength to carry on, maybe in a difficult marriage, health concern, pressures, financial worries, whatever it might be, Jesus says, I want to be your source, and I want to supply for you um, this bread of life. And when he says bread of life, I think that's interesting because he says, whoever eats this bread will live forever. And this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So to believe in him, to take him into our life, he becomes the source of that true abundant life and that eternal life. So not only, you know, in our, when we eat a good meal, we're sustained, you know, until three hours until later. Until car. Until, yeah. So I have car food as well. Exactly. Yeah, all those healthy granola right. bars, exactly. quotation yes. marks. Yes. Yeah, they're really candy bars, Bill. Okay. <laughs> um, but whoever eats this bread will live forever. Um, he's promising here, um, when we come into a relationship with him and feast on him, in other words, have a relationship with him, take the things, the promises, his word, get to know him, we are going to have a satisfaction of soul this world doesn't know anything about. So bread, think of bread, how it uh, satiates us. Jesus Christ is the one who can satiate our soul. You know, Bev, I think what I'm I'm getting from this, and I'm excited about this, is we have to just remind listeners and everyone here in the studio that we need to get to know him on his terms. Because so often people make up God. They make up Jesus. They they say, I don't like that part about God, so I'm not going to believe in it. But you've got to get to know God on his terms. Yeah. And if they would if they, take the time, they're going to fall in love. Yeah. I got news for you. There's no bad news here, people. Right. There's no bad news. There's no downside to getting to know Jesus Christ better. None. Well, you All kn- upside. Yeah. You know what it's like when when you hear false information about yourself. Mm-hmm. And if somebody says, oh, Beth Canaris, I heard you speak five languages. Now, that's flattering, but it's embarrassing because you don't, right? Right. But where did I get that information? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I need to get to know Bev on Bev's terms. Right. You need personal time exactly. to get to know me. Exactly. You can read about people. You can do a lot of study about people. But it's this this relationship, this coming into each other's presence really is what matters. And so in order to take Jesus as the bread of life, in order to satisfy our thirst in him, we have to um, have that social, that interaction. And I do call it social, where prayer time, Bible time, fellowship with Christians, worship, as we do those things, we are feeding on Christ. We are Mm -hmm. eating that bread of life. Mm -hmm. How many times have you heard this? 
Um, I know God and my God wouldn't. And I know. Fill, fill in whatever blank you like. Yeah, and listen carefully, my God. <laughs> Again, it's it's a God that they wanna that they've made up that they want to believe in because uh, they've heard something uh, that makes God as He is unattractive, mm-hmm. and um, it just may not be true, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably not because like when you do get to know Him, it's all so beautiful, and He's so for us. He came for us. He wants to give us all of these good things. That's what all these I am statements are. They're all, here's what I'm offering you. Come, yeah, take. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to chapter 8, where he makes more claims about himself. In fact, there's more claims about himself in chapter 8 of John than anywhere else in the Bible. So, listeners, if you haven't read it, that's a great place to start. He says, I'm the light of the world. I'm not alone. I am the one who bears witness. Um, I am not. I am from above. I am not of this world. I am He. I am the Christ. And finally, He says in John eight, "I am." We'll talk about that in a minute. Well, let's start out in the twelfth verse of John eight, where He says, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." So, what's the upside here in knowing Jesus is the light of the world? Oh, a lot of wonderful truths. Maybe a little background would help. When Jesus said this, he was in Jerusalem and he was teaching. It was during the Feast of the Tabernacles. And during this feast, they would take these huge lamps, menorahs, and they would put them on the steps outside of the temple and it would light up almost the whole city. It was brilliant. And this is the context he's saying, I am the light of the world. It also, the reason they put those lamps out there was to commemorate the uh, pillar of fire that directed the Israelites through the desert. Light always symbolizes the holiness of God. There's no darkness in him. Mm -hmm. He's all light. Jesus isn't just another source of light. He really says here, he is the one and only light by which we can see God. You want to see God? You have to look at Jesus. He is the light of the world. Jesus reveals God to us. He reveals what he's done for us giving us spiritual insight. We cannot know God. We cannot have spiritual insight without Jesus Christ being the light of the world for us. If we were to look in the next chapter, chapter 9, Jesus there heals a man born blind. And again, Jesus says in in verse 5, he says, he's the light of the world. He opens our spiritual eyes. Otherwise, without Jesus, we remain in spiritual darkness. So I wonder if there might even be a listener right now saying, I want spiritual eyes. Lord Jesus, I need your light. Take me out of this darkness. Mm, No doubt there is right now. If you are that person and you want us to pray for you, let us know. You can send us a text. We will pray for you during the break. 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. Beverly Canaris is my guest in studio. We're talking about the IMs of Jesus. We'll take a short break and be right back.
about that song, Beth? Oh, it's one of my favorite. Um, we played we, it for you, just thank so you, you know. Thank you, I know that. Yeah. I know that. We sang that a lot in the Bible study. And the ancient words, it's just God's word is so precious and precious to me personally. Uh, there's nothing like it. I love to sing about it, and it transforms me. It's transformed me. It transforms lives. It's worth every minute mm-hmm. you spend in it. Let's revisit light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And you think of people who are outside of God's family who are dead in their sins. They're not necessarily living in darkness. They are darkness. Right. And only the light of the world can transform that. Right. Because he has to take their darkness from them. Right. They can't get rid of their darkness on their own. The darkness would represent sin and the judgment of God upon them. That's darkness. But it's easy to fool yourself into thinking that, well, education is my light or, um, you know, being successful or having a lot of money. This is my light. Uh, I, I don't need Jesus because I'm doing just fine. And they, they don't realize their spiritual state. I often thought if we could see people what their spiritual state is, like maybe they had a black little um, X on their forehead that, that they are still in darkness. They mm-hmm. don't know Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And we could see that. What a dramatic wow. change that would that would make. But we do. We walk around in darkness, and, and many are unaware. Your heart would break much faster in life if you saw all these X's, dark black X's on yeah. someone's life, thinking they are condemned for hell. Yeah. Yeah. It would change how you think about people. It, it's, it certainly would. But we should see every person, instead of them black, we should see them as a potential child of God, Absolutely. A, a, a one of his folds, someone he came to die for. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we begin then to walk in his light. Um, our search for God, for spiritual truth comes to light. And also when the light of Christ shines in our life, we see that sin, Bill. We see that darkness. We see that we have offended God and we're able with his help to confess that sin to him and then to repent of it, to turn and walk in a different direction. Um, This begins a new quality of life called eternal life that begins here and now, and it's a life lived with God is what that is. And this was God's intent from the very beginning, from Genesis to the end in Revelation. God wants to live with us. He wants to give us this quality of life of living with him. And in order to be Uh, able to live with him, we have to have that darkness removed. You know, in the Old Testament, the pillar of fire that guided Israel for 40 years in the desert, can you imagine the sight of that? I I like to kind of imagine it. It had to have been awe-inspiring to see this pillar of light. And this pillar of light wasn't just there to make them awe at God. It served some wonderful purposes. First of all, it, of course, represented God's presence. And then it represented protection. It helped protect them. It helped to keep them warm. It gave them guidance. So I wonder, are you, listeners, searching for things, these things today, for God's presence, for protection, for guidance, for warmth, for feeling that he's with you? Um, God here claims through Jesus Christ that he is the light of the world. And he shines light in our hearts for us to get to know who we are and how there might still be dark places in our life that we need to confess to him. Just this morning, as I was reading in my Bible, a verse that stood out to me was, Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. 
And I thought, oh, Lord, that's perfect for this person, that person. And it, and I kind of got it like, okay, now back to Beverly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, w- what is it that I need freedom from? And I thought, well, feelings of inadequacy. Um, I think I need freedom from uh, wrong thinking or fears at times. Um, and it is the light of the world who helps me to be free in some of those areas. So, um, again, he shines the light in as we read, and he's forming in us the character of his son. So, I am the light of the world. It's such a rich illustration. Let's, it's, it's one of my yeah. favorites. Is it really? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I love the I am the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so positive. It is. And who doesn't love light? Yeah. yeah. We love light. Yeah. We're attracted to light. Oh, yeah. You walk into a house, oh, I love it, the big windows, look at all the light, know. you know, and God is light. We come to him, but if we choose to pull the curtain down on him, we're going to be fumbling around in our life in the dark. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go on in John 8. Again, it's it's so filled with these I am statements. He says here in John twenty eight twenty three, I am from above and not of this world. Now, he says this actually in quite a few places, um, but what does he mean? Let me read it first and see if we can come to some kind of conclusion here. But he continued, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sin. So here again, he's from above. This is a claim, clear claim to divinity. See, Christ had full two natures. He's fully God and fully man. Um, over the years, there's been heresy where no, he didn't really have a body or he was just a man. Both extremes are wrong. Jesus is both. He had everything a fully human and except without sin and fully God at the same time. He is again God's presence here on earth. He is from above and he has come into this world. He also mentions here that if you don't believe in him, you're going to die in your sins. What does he mean that you're going to die in your sins? Unless what? In verse 24, you believe that I am he. When we die in our sins, what happens is we refuse God's bridge to be reconciled to God. We are God's enemies when we are sinners. And so by refusing the bridge, the way to get to God, we have to keep on our guilt, our shame, our, our, all the punishment for our sins will be ours. Jesus came to take all that from us and to build this bridge to have, again, that relationship that he's wanted all along with us. So when you die in your sins, that means that you will not have those sins covered, forgiven. Um, You will have to bear that punishment yourself. In verse 28, he says, when I am lifted up, you will know that I am he. What does he mean when I'm lifted up? What Jesus is really saying here is when I'm lifted up on the cross, Mm. and I believe it's a direct... um, uh, quote, or not a quote, but a a direct reference to back in the Old Testament when the people had sinned greatly again in the desert, and there was a um, snakes entered the camp, and God was using the snakes to bring uh, judgment upon them. And But God also gave the means to be healed, and he took this snake and wrapped it around a pole and held it up high, and if you look with faith upon this lifted serpent, 
the one who died, that serpent died so the rest could be healed. That was, of course, now is the symbol for the American Medical Association. Mm -hmm. And that is what Christ is referring to here. When I am lifted up, you will know I'm him. You'll know it is the, the witness of the cross. And then, of course, not only his death, he took our punishment, that all that judgment of sin went on him by, as we believe in him. And then the resurrection, both his death and his resurrection really substantiate his identity. When he's lifted up, you'll know I am he. Because I've experienced this power of the cross in my life. I have felt cleansed of sin. I have felt forgiven. He took it all away. He took my punishment. And I am a free girl now to live my life in relationship with him. I took that bridge and um, am enjoying that uh, presence with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, in John 8, in verse 58, he leaves no room to argue over his claim to be God. First of all, the circumstance around this, the religious leaders and him are kind of sparring off. Um, and here he gives a two-word answer. I just love it. In verse 58, he says... What chapter again are we in? We're in, still in John 8. Still in 8, okay. John 8. Yeah, this is where it's just packed. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. I am takes us back to a scene in the Old Testament again of Moses approaching a bush that's burning and not being consumed. There he hears God speak to him, and and Moses said, if I'm to go to Israel and free them from their slavery, who shall I say sent me? And God said, say, I am sent you, which is another way of saying Jehovah sent you. Um, and so now Jesus is taking those words, that very claim here, it means Jehovah, it means God. And they picked up stones to try to, to, to kill him here because it was blasphemous with, if you don't believe. It's as though he was opening his hand when he says, I am, and then stops. It's like he's opening his hand and he's saying, I am what you need. What do you need today? I am, where do you need it? Fill in the blank. Something I wanted to mention from, um, from my father-in-law's book was uh, this. He sets, as it were, his hands to a blank space in order that his people may write in this space whatever is good for them. It is as if he were saying, are they weak? I am strength. Are they poor? I'm riches. Are they in trouble? I am comfort. Are they sick? I am health. Are they dying? I am life. Have they nothing? I am all things. I am wisdom and power. I am justice and mercy. I am grace and goodness. I am glory, beauty, holiness, perfection, all sufficiency, eternity. Jehovah, I am. Isn't that beautiful? It's gorgeous. Yep, Fill I love in it. the blank of what you need here. Jesus is really the great I am. Love that. It's so powerful, Bev. I mean, the open hands, Jesus holding his hands towards you, I am, what do you need? Yeah. That's yeah. a great image. Fill in the blank. Yeah, fill in the blank. I love it too. I remember that often. Well, now we can move into John 10 finally. 
And we're coming here to one of the most beloved. Jesus uses the analogy of shepherding in two more of his I am statements. In verse 7, he says, I am the gate, or some versions read the door for the sheep. Let me read that for you. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the first um, analogy that he uses here about shepherding is that he's the gate or the door for the sheep. I think we need to understand a little bit about being a shepherd and how they manage their sheep uh, out in the wilderness. They had these um, uh, pens that were like stone walls, not very high, and then they'd put thorns all around it. And they, they were pretty big, these pens, because multiple shepherds could bring their sheep into them. They only had like a little narrow opening so that the sheep could be contained in there. And what he would do when they would get to the fold to spend the night, he would call each one by name. He had named them all, they, and they know his voice. They come when called. He examines them, takes care of them. If there's any little nicks or cuts or bruises, he puts a little oil on it, counts it, take, pushes them over there where the water is. He gets some water, and he can. this sheep can be at rest for the night. And then once all the sheep are in the fold, the shepherd lays down across the door of the sheepfold and guards the sheep. But the only way into the sheepfold and the only way out is through the shepherd. So what a beautiful picture this is when he says, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. What are we saved from? We're saved from that judgment of sin that Christ wants to do for us if we will come to him in faith. We're saved so that we have a bridge to God again. Uh, Jesus is saying he is the one who wants to protect you from danger. And what's the danger, the, the biggest danger for all of us? The danger of sin and the resulting death dying in our sins. It means to enter into God's protection of Christ against the penalty of sin and the resulting death and separation forever from God, which is we could call hell. Christ offers us this door to salvation. First of all, there's no other door. He is the door. Mm -hmm. It's not your feelings. It's not good deeds. That's not a door. It's not being a good person. Science is not the door to God, not your intellect or worldly position. Jesus said, he is the, and I've got that in all caps. He is the door, the one door, the only door. A verse comes to mind here. Acts 4.21, for there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we may be saved. It's 4.12, isn't it? Yes, it is. Very good, yeah, Bill. I caught you there. You've been studying. I have. Let me take a little break. Beverly Canaris is in studio. We're talking about the I of Jesus. We'll take a short break and be right back. Beverly Canaris is in the studio. We're talking about the IMs of Jesus. This is a fascinating study. I love that beautiful image of Jesus 
at the gate where the sheep come in, and he's, I'm just visualizing him on his knees and inspecting these little sheep and giving them what they need and giving them the safety and protection of coming into the gate, into the, through the gate. It's so personal. It's so personal. It's so personal. He's mm-hmm. hands-on with these sheep, just like he is with us. He's yeah. hands-on. He's hands-on. He notices every little thing about us in our life. He wants to make it better. He um, wants to protect. He wants us in the fold. So what a wonderful Lord we serve. Another symbol of this idea that Jesus is the door into God's presence happened when he was crucified, the torn curtain. So can you picture that? All of a sudden, where this area, this most holy place in the temple, no one was supposed to go there except the high priest once a year. Can you imagine that curtain ripping the moment Christ died? It's like God was saying, Jesus Christ has opened the door into God's presence. So I think those two images really fit together really well. Jesus is also the door for eternal security. A lot of people struggle with eternal security. He's the door in that he protects us. Nothing can come to us unless it goes past him first. I like the image of God sitting at a desk and in comes the life of Beverly Canaris. And nothing is going to happen here unless he has passed it through his desk. He's seen it. He's aware. He's in sovereign control. So I see this as, again, another picture of Jesus being the door. Nothing comes into our life except through him. Jesus also is the door to fully experiencing the love of God. You want to know what the love of God is like? Look at the cross. Mm -hmm. He died for us. That's how far his love took him. This is also a way that we can fully experience the peace of God when we come through Christ because we're n- we're going to remain his God's enemy unless we come through the door which is Jesus Christ. Also, we have to remember that this door is always open, always open. Any situation has hope. When we lose our hope, Bill, we slam the door on Christ. Um uh, the invitation to come is to Jesus is always open. I know a lot of times we don't feel worthy. We think God's too busy. He doesn't care. Untrue. Those are not true statements. We are all worthy to come. Come just as you are. I love that hymn that Billy Graham used for years. Come just as you are. You don't clean your life up first. You come into that door of Jesus Christ and believing in him. I wonder, is someone feeling like, you know what? I've been lingering outside the door. Come in today. Come in in through the door of Jesus Christ. Well, the very last door that we go through is death, but even that is not a closed door, but one that opens into the very presence of Christ and an eternal life with him and joys forever. So that last door of our life can be, it just opens that next door into eternity, which is beautiful. Well, probably the most beloved image that Jesus says with his I am's is the one that he says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. Did you know the Bible refers to God as the shepherd no less than 80 times? Sheep are so notorious to wander and are so defenseless and let's face it, they're kind of senseless. They can get lost just by nibbling on one little blade of grass and then to the next, the next, pretty soon they're lost. Jesus says, and I mean, um, God says in Psalm 95, 7, for he is our God and we are the sheep of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Isaiah 40, 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. 
He shall gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Such beautiful scripture. And then, of course, there's Psalm 23. This is the most beloved of all the Psalms, and it really describes this relationship of God in terms of being a shepherd and us being sheep. But let's look at Christ's own words now. We're back in the Gospel of John when he said he was this shepherd. So we're in chapter 10, and I'm looking at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Beautiful words. Um, But let's highlight some of the truths here that we want to take away from just even what Jesus said there. First of all, he's a good shepherd. I love that, Bev. He could have said, I'm, I am the shepherd. But he loves, I love the fact he put the good shepherd in there. And what this really means is interest, in, oh, I can't even say the word, but good at the very core of who he is, mm-hmm. of all he is. The ideal good, he's the model. Christ is 100% good, as only God can be. Um, this rich young ruler came to Christ and he said, good teacher. And he says, why do you call me good? There's only one that is good. So he was even trying to tell this person that he was indeed God. And that's in Mark. Jesus loves the sheep, we're told here, and he loves them sacrificially. He lays down his life for the sheep. This is what is really agape love. Agape love is self-sacrificing, willing to sacrifice for the beloved. Five times in this chapter, he affirms his sacrificial death. And he also gives us other uh, information about his death. Jesus' life, he he tells us, was not taken from him. It says that he will lay it down on our behalf. He also says he has the authority to to put it down and then to take it up again. So he has all authority over life and death. Christ has purchased us, the sheep, in dying for them which is a contrast to those hired hands who just ran away. Mm -hmm. Also, Jesus knows his sheep. Knowing in Scripture means intimate knowledge, not just knowing about. He knows me like no one else knows me. He gives me security, makes me feel loved. We want this. Don't we want to be fully known? Mm -hmm. We do, and yet we're kind of scared of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. My shepherd knows what my needs are. He's my provider. He guides me to those green pastures, streams of living water. He knows my name. I am not alone. As well, it, this knowing the name means that he knows everything about me. And we get to know our shepherd as we listen to his voice and receive his care for us. Also, the good shepherd is our leader. We are to follow him. We're to do more than just listen to him. We're to obey his words for our own good and for the blessings. Also, this tells us that the good shepherd gives us eternal life. So we'll never perish. Who else but God can promise that? couple more things. Jesus' clear statement here is in verse 28, where he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Now there's really two super important truths in just those verses I read. The first one is that Jesus and the father are one. 
Um, that is, again, the doctrine of the Trinity. They are co-equal and of one essence. Further on, then, Jesus says, I'm, I'm God's son as well. But in verses 28 through 30, he's really giving us here some of the greatest assurance that the scriptures promise us for this eternal life. It's a double grip. Jesus has our hand on it, and so does God. Mm -hmm. So what a beautiful picture here we can have secure in the shepherd. So I wonder, have you responded to your good shepherd? Is he your good shepherd? Are we living in that security of that double grip? You know, Jesus was willing to say, my sheep. Are we willing to say, my shepherd? Mm-hmm. You are my shepherd. Yeah. Bev, I love talking about the I am's of Jesus. It's it's wonderful. It's just great. It's rich. I'm the resurrection and the life. We didn't quite get to that one, did we? No, we've yet to come. Can we continue this conversation uh, at another, another time? Absolutely. Pick up where we Absolutely. left off? Absolutely. We've yeah. got a few more to cover here, and awesome. we, we wouldn't want to miss a one, would yeah, we? Yeah, awesome. Beverly Canaris has been my guest in the studio. Bev, thanks for being here for another fantastic hour of a deep dive into the God's Word. We just love that time together, and I hope you've enjoyed the show. Thanks to all my guests. The Guide Talk was a lot of fun, and Bev is always a great guest. If you missed any of the show today, go to MyFaithRadio.com. You know how to go to our podcast. Maybe you want to pass this on to a friend. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.